It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another exciting week here at Locked On Saints, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ross Jackson here at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A on Twitter, editor over at CanalStreetChronicles.com, and your host covering your New Orleans Saints every single Monday through Friday. And with today's Mock Draft Monday, I thought that we'd start off with something a little different. So we're going to have eight different mocks to discuss in our second segment today as the Draft Network begins its Mock Madness bracket over on the website. But before we get to those, let's go over who the Saints have visited with pre-draft. So we'll go through all of the pre-draft FaceTime meetings, as well as the couple of private meetings they were able to get in. And then we'll also recap all of the Senior Bowl and Shrine Game meetings to get you back up to date as well. And then we'll take a look at those eight mock drafts from TDN, giving us four different selections to discuss. And then we'll wrap up today's show with a quick look ahead to tonight's Rebirth Re-Air on ESPN, when it's happening, how you can participate, and what that game meant to so, so many many. We got all of that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints, your team every day. With big changes to the pre-draft process this year, the Saints have taken advantage of technology to get their scouting work done. That's our New Orleans Saints lead story of the day today with Ross Jackson of Locked on Saints. So let's take a look at some of the Saints pre-draft FaceTime visits as they utilize technology all around the NFL in order to get all of their pre-draft processes and scouting in the books ahead of this month's draft. We'll start off with Justin Matabuke, the defense of Lyman out of Texas A&M. These are all players the Saints themselves have had these pre-draft FaceTime visits with. He's a little undersized, Matt Abuke is, for the position, but packs some very impressive speed, running a 4.8340 and weighing in at 293 pounds. He's also showed some great strength at the combine as well with 31 bench reps, but unfortunately he has a little bit of a lack of explosive traits that are seen on film and didn't test those traits at the combine either, so that didn't really help him out, but he would be a nice rotational piece in the interior on any NFL defense. Then the Saints also took some time to talk with linebacker out of Fresno State, Michael Walker. He's 6'3", 230 pounds. He's got great height, but he might be asked to bulk up a little bit going into the NFL. However, his tests were average when it came to speed and explosiveness, so adding that weight might actually work against him and not be the greatest fit for his play style. He lacks some fluidity, so while the smarts are definitely there that you would look for for somebody in the middle of your defense serving the mic role, he projects more as a core special teamer across scouting profiles. Then the Saints took some time to meet and chat with Davion Taylor, linebacker out of Colorado, very undersized at six foot, 228 pounds, but his 449 speed is very hard to ignore. You could probably consider Taylor a bit of a day three version of LSU's Patrick Queen. Taylor rarely played in the box at Colorado, though. He often lined up in the slot or at safety, which might be a better projection for his NFL position. He lacks the processing speed and the ability of somebody like a Patrick Queen who would be able to maintain his 
role as a linebacker despite any size concerns. So Taylor doesn't have the necessary tools to really sort of make up for his lack of size like a Patrick Queen who's expected to be a first round pick. Next we've got Evan Weaver, the edge rusher out of West Virginia. He's often listed as a linebacker, but he's very likely to be given one role in the NFL and that's to get after the passer. However, he is very effective against the run as well. He should be drafted by an odd front team and utilizes a 3-4 linebacker to put him in the best position to do both of those things. At 6 foot 2, 237 pounds, he may be a little light for a pass rusher at the next level, but his 1.63 10-yard split gives you a lot of hope about Weaver as a speed rusher coming out of a two-point stance. And finally, the Saints' most recent pre-draft visit that has been reported is Jordan Love, quarterback out of Utah State. Now, I'm personally a fan of Jordan Love, despite so many not really liking him amongst the Saints fan base as well as others. The Saints did take time to meet with him as well as many other teams did across the NFL, and this meeting shouldn't be indicative of any doubts of Taysom Hill or any plans for the future. As Look, this Saints team has always met with top quarterback prospects before the draft. Now, I personally don't invest too much combine testing when it comes to quarterbacks. I'm more about the film, and Love has some promise despite an ever-changing offense that he was stuck in at Utah State. He's got good arm talent, mobility, and confidence, which are all great qualities that you would like to have. Have in today's 2020 NFL. Now, the Saints did reportedly schedule two in-person private visits before club facilities were closed. Let's talk about those real quick as well. The first with Ezra Cleveland, offensive tackle out of Boise State. He was a bit of a combine winner for himself as well, thanks to his outstanding measurements at six foot six, 311 pounds with 33-inch arms. Could be a great swing tackle option for New Orleans, and Dan Rauscher will certainly like the tools that Cleveland brings to the table. And then Kevin Dotson, offensive lineman out of Louisiana. He's Louisiana native, versatile, powerful with growing technique. He played both at right tackle and at right guard with the Raging Cajuns. He and his teammate Robert Hunt are both entering the draft and should be targets for New Orleans. And then finally, to wrap this all up, we're going to do a little bit of a recap here. New Orleans Brass also had two college all-star games to attend, as well as all of those visits and pre-draft FaceTime meetings. At the Senior Bowl, they visited with offensive linemen out of Texas Tech, Terrence Steele, as well as Shea Patterson, quarterback out of Michigan, two wide receivers in Texas A&M's Courtney Davis, as well as Colin Johnson out of Texas, Zach Bond, the exciting linebacker out of Wisconsin, and two defensive linemen and Ole Miss defensive tackle Josiah Coatney, as well as Larell Murchison, defensive lineman out of NC State. At the Shrine game, they met with South Carolina running back Rico Dowdle, as well as three wide receivers in Ohio State's Benjamin Victor, Florida State's Keith Gavin, and then John Hightower out of Boise State. So despite the changes to this year's pre-draft process being brought upon by the COVID-19 pandemic, the Saints are keeping busy heading into to this month's draft. So while it's been a busy time for the Saints during this pre-draft process, it's also been a pretty busy time lately over at thedraftnetwork.com as they unveiled eight mock drafts that we're going to take a look at. Four different players selected to the Saints over those mocks. This is for their mock madness bracket, which you can vote on. You can find details over at thedraftnetwork.com. But we're going to focus on those eight mocks, those four different players selected to the Saints. We got that coming up for you next year on Locked on Saints, your team every day. If you've been a listener of this podcast, then I'm sure that you've heard all of the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you might not know that Locked On Saints is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Saints fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the ability to reach local podcast listeners, but not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. So if your company wants to connect with Saints fans and a predominantly male audience that's well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right 
right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, y'all. So let's go ahead and break this down. We have eight different first round mock drafts to look at during this segment. So we're going to run through and and, and it's going to be a little bit easier because five of them actually made the same selection for the Saints. So these are all first round mock drafts. Some of them done with good fun. There was one guy, Robert Juden, who used uh, office quotes for each of his picks as his analysis because he's uh, actually part of the creative design team. So he didn't really want to go in depth with his picks. So it's actually pretty fun if you you go and check them out. But let's focus on the players here. So Carter Donick, who is an intern there and who's a fantastic follow on Twitter, if you don't follow Carter, by the way, uh, he picks Patrick Queen for the Saints. And that is the pick that's going to be true for five of these eight selections. We've actually got Carter Donick, Robert Juden, Benjamin Solik, uh, Kyle Krabs, and Joe Marino all choosing Patrick Queen to the Saints. And there are varying different reasons. Carter Donick says Patrick Queen is a speedy and rangy linebacker with boomer bust profile. Benjamin Solik said this is a steal of a selection for New Orleans as the Saints fill a key gap in their sub linebacker sets beside Demario Davis. AJ Klein was a bigger loss than people realized Patrick Queen has special instincts against the pass. Kyle Krabs mentioned that getting better play on the second level would help stabilize some defensive consistency, which I can't agree with more. And then finally, Joe Marino mentioned Patrick Queen and Demario Davis would be a solid second level behind a talented defensive line and outstanding secondary that could lead to the best New Orleans defense we've seen in years. Now that's the sentiment that I really wanted to cap off on here when it came to what Joe Marino said there, that this could be the best New Orleans defense that we've seen in years. Remember all of the years, 2014, 15, and 16 in particular, when Drew Brees was throwing for 5,000 yards, 30-some-odd, 40-some-odd touchdowns, and was just looking incredible, but the Saints still went through three straight 7-9 and nine seasons because they were dealing with you know a defense that was 31st in the pass and then 31st in scoring or 32nd in scoring and 28th in the pass and things like that. This ideally 2020 season will be the exact antithesis of that. You have a secondary that is sure to take another step forward with Malcolm Jenkins coming back to New Orleans and providing the secondary with something that they haven't had in veteran leadership and vocal leadership especially from a guy as experienced and effective as Malcolm Jenkins has been for so long since being drafted in New Orleans to going to Philly, now coming back. That's sure to help. You saw a defensive line really come together last year and have an outstanding rotation and just play so well under Ryan Nielsen, who's just been incredible for this team. 50 plus sacks for the first time in the Sean Payton era. And then you had a second level in of linebackers that dealt with so many injuries and you ended up with games like 
uh, the week 14 game against the San Francisco 49ers where you just had Demario Davis and then two injured linebackers and Alex Anzalone was out for the season. And so you ended up getting torn apart over the middle because you were relying on guys like Stefan Anthony and Craig Robertson and some of these other guys that just don't really get a lot of reps. And then they just got torn apart in the middle. And so that's one of the things that has been a big weakness for the Saints and why I do truly look at linebacker as the weakest link for the team. Even if Demario Davis, Alex Anzalone, and Kiko Alonso all end up starting at the beginning of the 2020 season, how long will that last? That's the big question. And we simply don't don't have an answer for that. So loading up on one of these talented linebackers, whether it be Patrick Murray, I'm sorry, Patrick Murray, Patrick Queen or Kenneth Murray uh, is just a, a great option for the Saints and a huge win for this offseason, a great way to cap off the offseason in the draft. Now, Trevor Sikama did mock Kenneth Murray to the Saints as opposed to Patrick Queen. Patrick Queen was on the board at that time. Again, you've heard me talk endlessly about Patrick Queen. You've seen videos of me talking about Patrick Queen. You're going to hear me talking about Patrick Queen over in the Locked On NFL podcast when we go through our mock draft. So I've done enough of it, but y'all know that I like Kenneth Murray and I like Kenneth Murray a little bit better than I like Patrick Queen, but clearly not going to be upset with either one of those guys ending up on this team. Now we talked a little bit about Jordan Love being somebody that the Saints did hold a pre-draft FaceTime visit with. Well, Jordan Reed has the Saints mocked to select Jordan Love, and not only to select him, but to trade up for him. So now here's the thing. I don't have any problem with the Saints selecting Jordan Love, even though most people like Larry Holder at The Athletic, as well as Kat Terrell, have reported that the Saints actually don't have a lot of interest in him. You decide for yourself if that's honest or if that's kind of smokescreen stuff coming from the Saints themselves. But I so I have no problem with the Saints selecting Jordan Love. However, trading up for him, particularly at this price, the fourth quarterback comes off the board, says Jordan Reed, as the Saints ship off their first, which is number 24, third rounder, which is number 88, and a sixth round pick, number 203, to the Jaguars to move up four spots. The franchise now has their true heir apparent to Drew Brees. Now, I understand this because not a lot of people truly believe in Taysom Hill. I'm wavering myself, but y'all know I'm going to wait and I'm going to reserve judgment until I actually see him get an opportunity. But when it comes down to bringing in somebody like Jordan Love, that does give you a true heir apparent. That true heir apparent could still be Taysom Hill, but if nothing else, if that doesn't work out, you also have Jordan Love. So it helps to solidify what the game looks like for the Saints after Drew Brees, yes. But is it worth giving up half of your draft to go up and get him? I don't really think so. And in particular, to move up four spots and give up that much draft capital, knowing that the Saints love to wage future draft capital and would probably rather do that, like give up a future second, give up a future third in order to move up. And just by what it looks like in terms of the trades that we've looked at in the recent past, it doesn't cost that much to move up and stay within the 20s. If you're trading up four, you usually see teams give up a first rounder and then one other pick, whether it be a third or a fourth rounder. Now, of course, it all comes down to who's selling and who's good at selling it. But for the most part, uh, this is just a little bit too much to give up for me when you have some other actual holes that you do actually still need to address in the draft. Now, the Saints are in good position to go uh, best player available with their first pick because they have four other picks later on to make some different decisions with. But 
to give up three of those selections to bring in one player is just a little much for me. And then Dre Harris actually has the Saints drafting at number 24, TCU cornerback Jeff Gladney. He says Marshawn Lattimore gets to work with one of the best pure cover corners in the draft. Now, I'm not mad at this. I love the idea of Kenneth Gladney. I'm sorry, Kenneth Gladney. Uh, Kenneth Murray just continues to be on my mind when it comes to the Saints draft. But uh, I love the idea of Jeff Gladney to the Saints. He's somebody that can come in and play in the slot early, which we know that the Saints were looking to address that position. So if they wanted to do that, they can bring in Jeff Gladney for a year. He plays in the slot. And then after Jorah Shinkins is done, he bounces outside. And then he's your number two corner long term opposite Marshawn Lattimore. He's an outstanding cover guy, extremely physical, very good in man-to-man coverage with the Saints. Don't play just strictly man-to-man all game. They do a lot of what's called zone match, where they'll start off in zone, wait to see how uh, sort of route combinations and how routes develop, and then latch onto their man assignments from there. So it's a combination of both, but Jeff Gladney definitely has the intelligence to be able to operate in that scheme and then not be a liability when he switches over to man coverage like some other Saints cornerbacks on the outside have shown to be over the last few years. Uh, But thankfully... No need to worry about that anymore. So with a guy like Jeff Gladney, it just sort of wards off that kind of concern when you're talking about players needing to make very educated and fast decisions in the secondary without being a liability to the passing defense. So there you go. Eight mock drafts in just a few minutes here. Four different selections for the Saints to discuss. Patrick Queen, Jeff Gladney, Jordan Love. Kenneth Murray. I'd be happy with any of these four guys. If there's one that you like better out of those four, go ahead and let me know. You can hit me up on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. You can also call the Locked On Saints listener line at 504-229-4265 and leave your thoughts about which one is best and which one would be the best fit for the Saints. And more than certainly, this will be a conversation to Locked On Saints Facebook group as well. So, all right, y'all. Coming up next, we're going to talk a little bit about tonight's Rebirth Rewatch. Uh, ESPN is going to be re-airing the Rebirth game, the 2006 game where the Saints returned to the Superdome and first time after uh, Hurricane Katrina and of course the uh, you know the origins of everything never give up the origins of Steve Gleason's legacy with the Saints the origins of never punt right so we're going to talk a little bit about that coming up next here on Locked on Saints your team every day is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, y'all. So we're wrapping up today's episode with a quick look at tonight's Rebirth re-air. Again, ESPN at 7 p.m. Central Time is going to be re-airing the September 7th, 2006 game, the return to the Superdome or the Dome coming, uh, if you don't mind borrowing from the Houston Astros, who apparently don't mind borrowing from other teams. Uh, But when it comes down to tonight, uh, this is huge for a lot of us uh, that are New Orleans natives, that were born and raised there, that are Saints fans around the world. Like This is still something like you don't have to be in New Orleans just to appreciate this, right? You don't have to just be in the affected Gulf Coast region to appreciate this. This is 
for every Saints fan everywhere, much like everything else having to do with the New Orleans Saints. But there is something special for those of us that you know grew up in New Orleans and that came from that type of idea of resilience uh, and perseverance and return. Right? There was always there was always something about you know returning or coming back home uh, when it came to you know evacuating for hurricanes or going to go stay with your. You know, we didn't do a lot of evacuating. My family, we we were a hunker down type of a, a, a of a family. However, there were certain times where we would go. And we would say with other family members, just so we were all together, stuff like that, you know, and then all of a sudden you come back home and, you know, like your windows are all boarded up or you have the storm shutters down, depending upon, you know, what your living style was. We certainly had our windows boarded up. <laughs> we just had plywood shoved into the windows and, and, and everything cut specifically just to do that. Um, and a lot of you that are, you know, from New Orleans or really just from Louisiana and the Gulf Coast region, you know exactly what I'm talking about. For others, it's just a little glimpse into what that lifestyle is like, you know, because of course, you, you still have to deal with hurricanes and everything there. So it's still, it's still a thing. Uh, but this, this re-air that's happening tonight is actually something that's really special. In fact, it's so special that it's garnered some, uh, some adversity or not adversity. What's the, what's the actual word that I'm looking for? Uh, I'll say adversity. It, it garnered some adversity from the Atlanta Falcons themselves who are actually going to be live streaming on YouTube at the same time as this game, their 1998 playoff victory over the uh, Minnesota Vikings, which, you know, that season didn't end well for the Saints. And for Saints fans, that season, even though it didn't end up in a Super Bowl in 2006, that season was still monumental. You still had, you know, a coach of the year in in, Pay- in Sean Payton. You had your first glimpse at Drew Brees and the new leadership of the uh, of the New Orleans Saints, who signed a, a six-year, $60 million contract, a $10 million per year quarterback contract, which was a ton of money at the time uh, for that 2006 season. Reggie Bush had been drafted just before that year as well, second pick overall when every Everybody thought, oh, he's going to go first overall, and all of a sudden he falls to two. Um, all of that, and then, and then, of course, that rookie class too, which included Roman Harper, Jari Evans, um, Rob Ninkovich, uh, uh, Marcus Colson, of course, in the seventh round. And so, it's just a very, very important game and a very important time. And I knew that that game was going to be special the moment that the uh, the fumble happened, the third play of regulation with, I think it was Scott Fujita that ended up knocking the ball out of Michael Vick's hands. It ended up rolling out of bounds, didn't get recovered, but it just felt like something was happening. And it felt special from the beginning. I mean, you couldn't hear anything. You couldn't hear the the the, the commentators. You couldn't hear the people that were on the sidelines. And, and when you're at home and watching it on television, I, I wasn't in New Orleans at the time because we had evacuated and I was living in Arkansas at the time, I think. And, um, but I was watching. And so when you're at home and you're watching television, you're standing there, you watch people with microphones in their hands and you can't hear them uh, because the crowd is just going insane and everything. It, it, it's just such a special thing. And then, of course, the very next play after that was Steve Gleason's block punt as the clock ticked just past 13 minutes and 40 seconds. He shoots up the middle and then blocks the punt and he gets recovered for a touchdown. And that was it. That was the rebirth, right? That's the That moment has been memorialized outside of the dome. There's the There's the... The, um, the rebirth statue that's there of him blocking the punt, even though there's no insignia on there, because apparently, according to Nick Underhill, the Falcons didn't want any of their insignia on <laughs> on the actual tribute itself, which just goes to show you like how when something is that important to one club, it can be kind of... Um, 
it can be kind of diminishing for another. And because it's the Falcons, we're okay with that for certain. But it's it's still just something so incredibly important. And everything about that game, everything about that season, it was 10 and 6 season, 10 wins for your first time with a, a, a brand new head coach, a first time head coach at that, a brand new quarterback that was coming off of a you know, labrum <laughs> injury and you know wasn't sure he was going to be able to play football again and then was almost going to sign with the Miami Dolphins. But then they passed up on him because of medicals. But then the Saints signed him anyway. And then getting a guy like Reggie Bush in the building who was dealing with all of these um, these legal issues from USC and, and stuff, which is just stupid. And But none of that mattered. None of that mattered at all. It was just about the success of this team and the first time in franchise history that the Dome had sold out for the entire season. It was just something that was so important. So to get to sit back and actually remember this. And for me as a writer, like somebody that, that was not writing in 2006, like that was not my thing at that time. And so to be able to sit back and actually cover this as if it was happening in real time, which is what we've been doing over at uh, the Canal Street Chronicles over the last few days, and now to be able to watch this game and sort of relive it. I'll be live tweeting the game as if it was happening. We'll be doing that at the Canal Street Chronicles uh, main Twitter as well, at St. CSC. And then, of course, we'll be talking about it over on the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash Locked on Saints, if you want to be a part of that and sort of as a watch party kind of idea. And so to be able to talk about it and be able to, quote unquote, cover it as if it was happening for the first time or happening in real time is just an incredible experience. And so I encourage everybody to really, really take advantage of this, like rock your jerseys, rock your black and gold, go through your pregame rituals, like all the things that you would usually do before a usual Monday night game as if it were just about to take place, like go through it, establish some normalcy for yourself in a very normal time, right? There's nothing normal about what we're going through right now. And I have lapses where I think things are normal. And then I look outside and people are wearing, you know, gloves and, and masks and stuff like that. And I just remember how not normal everything is right now. But this is an opportunity for us to sort of do something normal for a change, go through all those things, like cook the meals that you would usually cook before a game, uh, all of that, you know, do all those things that are actually very, very important to our mental health and to ourselves um, and establish some normalcy ahead of a very, very monumental game and a very, very monumental moment. And of course, Please like follow along with with me over on Twitter at Ross Jackson N O L A. There's the uh, the Locked On Saints Facebook group that I mentioned you can be a part of. Like really, really take this time, even though you're not going to have a room full of people, to still engage with people and uh, celebrate this really, really important game. Not just because of what it did in terms of the franchise, and you know you can hear people complaining throughout the game about the brand new turf in the Superdome because no one's run on it in 14 months, or you know it was brand new and everything like that. And it had been 14 months before the team was there. But it was also just such a monumental moment for the community of New Orleans, for the state of Louisiana, for the region of the Gulf Coast, and for the nationwide and 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 worldwide fan base of the Houdat Nation. So do enjoy this game tonight. Um, hit me up and let me know how you're enjoying it and everything. Uh, and and I'm excited to be able to celebrate this and go through all of this uh, with you uh, tonight and experience this 2006. Uh, masterpiece of an NFL game and masterpiece of a uh, of a New Orleans Saints moment one of the most important in in franchise history if not arguably the most important I, I would I would put this above the Super Bowl just in terms of and maybe that's crazy but just in terms of its its cultural importance to the state to the team to the nation to the world 
I would put this above that. So this is a very, very important thing. So do follow along and do enjoy and uh, keep me in your plans as well because I would love to uh, chat with everybody as this is all going on. And I've told you all the ways to do that. And uh, I think I've done enough rambling and sentimental stuff, but I'm very much looking forward to this re-air tonight. So enjoy it. And thank you so much for enjoying today's episode. Come back all throughout the week. We're going to have Zach Sammartino, the uh, offensive lineman out of Dartmouth on the show. I'm working on getting Caden Ellis back to the show as well. That might be next week though. We'll see exactly how everything shakes out. And then uh, just continuing to head forward to the draft and everything that's going on. So uh, lots of fun still coming up here throughout the week. And tomorrow, of course, we'll approach it as a victory Tuesday as we come through. And then uh, we'll talk a little bit about this uh, all, what is it, uh, 2010's all-decade team that yet again omitted Drew Brees. So I got a lot of complaining to do. So we got that coming up uh, all throughout the week. Uh, now that you're done here, make sure you tell your pod, your smart speaker rather to play podcasts locked on NFL. Keep up with everything going on around the league. I thank you so much as always, y'all, for coming through. Once again, I'm Ross Jackson. You can follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show. And if you haven't already, please take a moment to subscribe. Drop that five star rating and review i thank you so much for all your support and for helping me grow this family this has been locked on saints and trust to that nation i'll holla at you hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on amazon music download the amazon music app today is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements maybe it's time for a rebuild or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the lombardi trophy Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.